Well, thanks again for being here this morning, church. My name's Chris. Um, I, I'm the family's pastor here at Antioch, and I'm so excited uh, to have the next 35 minutes or so um, just to bring the Word of God. That's my only desire this morning, is to put the Word of God on display and let it do its work in our hearts. Amen. Um, God has been uh, doing a lot in our church family, and if you're, if you're new um, or newer or you haven't been around for the last few weeks, that's okay. I'm going to just sort of pull us into what God has been doing because it's important. Um, how many of you guys know that in a family, it's important to know what season you're in as a family? And if the church is the household of God, which the Bible says it is, and we're a family, that it actually means it's really significant for us to kind of understand together what season we are in as a family. What that does is that makes us owners in what God's doing. Are you with me? It makes you and us all, we take ownership and, oh, this is what God is doing in our family right now. And when we take ownership of what God is doing, it actually sustains the work of God in our midst because you're owning it. You're continuing it. Are you with me? So God um, has been doing some really amazing things in our family over the past month, and it really surrounds this theme of um, vulnerability, of confession, uh, and of surrender to Jesus. And we, people are, are coming out of the shadows and, and into the light like never before and finding freedom in the presence of Jesus. And it's been a beautiful, beautiful thing. I just want to ask, how many of you have surrendered something recently or have been honest and vulnerable about something recently? You came into the light and you've just felt freedom rise in your life. Just by show of hands, you've like felt that. Come on, praise God. Praise God. Last week... Uh, the, the floor was covered with people. If you weren't here, literally, my five-year-old son asked me about it after. He said, Dad, why were there so many people on the floor? And I said, why do you think there were? He said, because they love Jesus. I was like, yes, they, they do. And he said, Dad, it was like a flood of people. That was my five-year-old just telling me what he saw. It was a flood of surrender. There was no room on the carpet down any of the aisles. That, that's how many people were just saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm surrendering my life. I need your help. They just were on their faces before God, and it's been powerful. And God has designed it that when we walk in the light and surrender and in vulnerability, things break free. It's like a principle of the kingdom that when we humble ourselves and be honest, Jesus calls it cleaning the inside of the cup. Man, we, we see breakthrough. And this is a season that we're in. I love what Mitchell said last week about surrender. He said, when it comes to following Jesus for life, surrender is not just step one in the process. Surrender is the beginning, the middle, and the end. We never move beyond the daily surrender of Jesus in our lives. Isn't that good? And so powerful moments, the flood of surrender that many of us have been experiencing, that our church is experiencing right now, they're so significant and so critical to our journey with God. We see people falling on their knees and falling on their faces throughout the scripture before God. But how do we move from these powerful moments of surrender that are significant? 
How do we move beyond those moments of surrender into establishing a daily rhythm of communion with God, a daily rhythm of surrender to God? How many of you don't want the flood of surrender just to be a one-time thing? How many of you even maybe experienced some powerful surrender in the last few weeks, but you're maybe starting to feel tempted like, okay, did, did it? Did I really change? Or you're kind of starting to maybe feel sucked back. I felt so much freedom, but we have to lay new rhythms and foundations. On the other side of surrender, there's room for us to say, okay, where do we go from here? How, we've surrendered. We've cleaned out the inside of the cup. Now what comes in? We've cleared some space in the house. What's moving in? And really, this morning, we want to dive into that, that on the, the backside of surrender is a really simple invitation to seek the Lord and to pursue what you were made for, which is communion with God. That is what we step into when we leave the addiction, when we leave the shame, when we leave the the bondage or whatever it was, and we come to the place of surrender, we step into communion with God. We step into a new connection with who he is and his voice. Because you know that you were made to walk with God and to defeat the darkness. That's why you were created. And so in the garden, connecting with God was relatively simple, right? Because there just weren't many barriers into fellowship. The Bible says they walked with him in the cool of the day. But when we aligned our hearts with the enemy in the garden and and joined the rebellion, so to speak, communion with God got a little complicated, right? Seeking the Lord got a little complicated after the fall. Now, the great privilege of fellowship with God would be reserved for the people that actually wanted it, the people that actually would seek it out. And and really a commitment to two things. To commune with God, there there needed to be a a commitment to the pursuit of righteousness and a commitment to the pursuit of him. Now, in the Old Testament, people spent so much of their lives having to deal with their sin problem, so much of their lives having to pursue righteousness in God's sight. Are you with me? They continually had to offer sacrifices of their sin. But in the New Testament, you know, Jesus has taken care of our sin problem and the pursuit of righteousness is done. I'm not saying that we don't have to practically step into obeying God and walking in holiness. We absolutely do. That's what surrender is all about. But the pursuit of righteousness ended at the cross when Jesus gave us his righteousness. And so what that means is that we can be free in the blood of Jesus. We can stop pursuing righteousness. You know what I'm saying. We're called to pursue holiness. That's not what I'm saying. But we can stop trying to prove that we're clean and we can get busy seeking God. And isn't it amazing that after hundreds of years of them having to deal with their sin problem daily at the temple, daily offering sacrifices for their sin, that Jesus came once and for all, paid for it now, and all we have to do now to access the presence of God, all we have to do to encounter the glory of God is get out of bed in the morning and draw near, you know? I mean, how much easier is that than having to go wrangle your goat, go down the street to the temple, confess all your sin, right? And then, and then even then, you don't get to go all the way in. 
A priest does once a year. I mean, do we have it better? Is the, the writer of Hebrews not right when he says we're, we're living in a better covenant? We've got a better Savior. We've got a better inheritance. We're living in the new covenant. Our righteousness has been taken care of so we can get busy seeking God. But church, it is still a life that we must choose, a lifestyle of seeking God that we must choose. The scriptures are clear. To know God, we must seek him. To gain wisdom, we must search for it. So will we be a people of pursuit? Will we be a people of pursuit? If you're taking notes, you can write that, a people of pursuit. Or you can just write this, it's time to seek the Lord. That's where we move on the other side of surrender. We, we move into seeking God and communion with him. And I just want to read a few verses. I know y'all were mostly familiar with this one probably, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you. How many of you, this was your favorite Bible verse at some point in your life? I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Plans to prosper you. But do you know what it says after that? It says, then you will call upon me and I will answer you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. You see, the great plan and future of prosperity that God has for you is not just going to happen because he said it. There's more scripture. It's going to happen when we begin to call on the Lord and seek him and step into it with him. And he says in verse 14, at the end of that passage, is so beautiful. He says, and I will be found by you. Come on. He's opened the door. He's given us the invitation, and he's just waiting for us to find him. He wants you to know him. He wants us to know him like we've never known him before, but we've got to seek. Proverbs 2, 3, and 5. Let's see if we can, we have this one up there? Maybe not. Proverbs 2 says this about wisdom. If you call out for insight, if you raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. We must search it to find it. And one of my favorites in Hebrews eleven six, he's defining faith. And he says, faith, the, the, without faith, it's impossible to please God because we must come to God and fundamentally believe two things about him. Number one, that he is who he says he is and that he rewards those who seek him. Guys, when it comes to knowing God, when it comes to connecting with God, you get what you seek for. You get what you search. You really do. Jesus has opened the way. It's all by grace. It's all by grace. He's, he's opened the door, and in a very real way, we get what we want. We find how, what we seek for. This is the great invitation. Psalm 105, verse 4. We'll leave it at this for the scriptures right now. It says this, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. This word, seek, seek the Lord. It's this idea of, you know when you walk uh, through a certain pathway in grass or through the woods or maybe, you know, game trails for your hunters out there, deer, you know, they travel on a certain path and it, and it wears out 
these trails in the woods, right? Or maybe it's a, it's a trail from where people have crossed the grass to go to this side of campus or another. You guys know what I'm saying. It's a well-worn path. It's a well-worn path. That's this word for seek, that we're, we're, we're pursuing God so frequently. We're moving toward him. So we are frequenting this place so regularly that we're literally wearing pathways to the Lord. So that means that sometimes when we first get started, the path is not as clear. But over time, you keep treading that path, and boom, all of a sudden you wake up and you just know where we're going to get to God. That is treading a path and creating a life of seeking the Lord. So if you're here today and, and, and your life is not a well-worn path of seeking God yet, that's okay. But I think there's really only a, f- a few reasons today why we would not be people that would say, right now I'm daily seeking God. Some of us would be able to say that. Some of you would be able to say that. I, I seek God every day, and most days I find him. Some of you would say that. But a lot of us are still on our journey, and that's okay. There's really only a few reasons why you wouldn't be seeking God. I, I want to knock a few of them down real quickly and then camp on one and go into some scripture together. Cool? So number one, um, you are not, you, you're not, you're probably not daily seeking God if you're not a born-again Christian yet, right? So if you have not experienced the salvation of Jesus then the scripture actually says that you're still dead in your sin. And it's really hard for a dead person to connect with a living God. And so if you don't know Jesus yet, and you have not ever received this amazing gift of his righteousness that he made away on the cross, if you've never received that, his, it's very simply saying, hey, let me in today. Receive my righteousness today. Let me take you from being dead to being alive in Christ and begin your life of communion with the living God. If you're here this morning and God's knocking on your heart and you know, wow, I've never been born again. Well, then get born again, you know? Just say yes to Jesus. Today's your day. It's like, that's where the message ends for you. Band, come on up. You know, it's like, that's the response. If you have never been born again, please Receive the greatest gift of all time and be born again through the blood of Jesus today and get busy living life with God. Number two, you you are a born-again Christian and nobody's ever told you that the purpose of your life is to seek God, get to know him, and join him in defeating the darkness, okay? So if you're here today and nobody's ever told you that, the purpose of your life is to seek God, get to know him, and join him in defeating the darkness, okay? So none of us can ever say, nobody's ever told me that. Okay, number three, okay? We knocked two down. Number three, you're a born-again Christian, and you just don't really know how to seek God. Maybe nobody's ever showed you or helped you along and helped you learn how to live a life of connecting with God daily. Hey, that's legit. We all need help. We all start with training wheels, right? And we all have to go along the journey. That's part of being a family. So that's where we're going to camp today. But before we camp today, the fourth reason why you might not be daily seeking God is that you're a born-again Christian. You know that this epic quest has been, and you've been invited into it, but you're just being disobedient. Yeah, I know. I'm not here I am not here to condemn anybody today. But the Holy Spirit is here to convict many today. 
And so I'm inviting the Holy Spirit of conviction right now to convict us as born-again believers if we've not been seeking God. Because we are in direct disobedience to about 150 plus scriptures. So, are we family? Is anybody feeling convicted? All right, I'm going to ask you to be bold. We've had a lot of repentance going on. If you're feeling convicted, I want you to be bold and stand up with me this morning, okay? If you're just feeling convicted, I have been called to seek the Lord, and I've been slow to seek Him. I've been lazy to get out of bed in the morning, right? I haven't had vision. Okay, come on. Look at this, family. Woo! That, stay standing. This is what I'm talking about. This is beautiful. Look around the room. Look around the room. You're not alone, okay? This is probably 80% of our church in attendance this morning. Hallelujah, Holy Spirit. Okay, so stay standing. I want to tell all of us one very simple thing, okay? You are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And today is a new day to seek the Lord, okay? So can you put your hand on your heart and say, tomorrow, today is a new day. It's time to seek the Lord. I repent for disobeying. And let's go. All right, sit down. Thank you, God. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. So we're going to camp here on this third one of, hey, how do I seek God? How do I connect with him? What does that look like? And we're going to dive into some scripture as a family. So um, again, we're created for communion, connection, relationship with God. And from that place of relationship, we join him and we push back the darkness. That was, that was from the garden, what we were made for. And so I want to ask you guys a question. What sustains uh, relationship? Think about your relationship with your, some of your best friends, your roommates, your spouse. What sustains relationship? Throw some ideas out. Wow, you guys are ready. Everybody's repented and like ready to preach. Okay, so say again. I heard time. Quality time. I love this. This is the best Sunday ever. What else? Communication, love. Date night, service, forgiveness. What did I miss? Respect. All right. All these things. Man, this is awesome. You guys are engaged. Uh, repentance. So good. So one of the things that I believe that the Lord was, all these are true, but I, there's something I feel like God was narrowing me in on this week that what sustains relationship is meaningful connection. Meaningful connection. When, when I have a meaningful heart-to-heart with one of my best friends, it like fuels the friendship and mo- it sustains. When I have a meaningful date night with my spouse after a week of just crossing paths and our four kids running around, like when I have a good date night with my wife, it just it sustains the relationship, right? Same thing with the Lord. When we have a meaningful connection with God and who he is, it, it sustains the relationship. And so there's two primary components, I think, of meaningful connection and relationship. And the first is we're, we're going to spend the most of our time in today, and it's getting to know the other person and learning what blesses them, right? That component number one, I get to know you and learn what blesses you, learn what you like. The second component is 
I allow you to know me and, and, I allow, and I receive the love that you bring to me, right? Those are the two components, getting to know you, learning what blesses you, being known by you, and receiving your love. That's relationship 101, right? So how do we get to know God and learn what blesses him? It's very simple. He has given us the word of God. All right. Actually, the way that we get to know God is through the word who is, the Bible says is Jesus was the word. In the beginning was the word. So Jesus is the word of God, but we get to know the word of God through the word of God. You know what I'm saying? We get to know Jesus through these amazing compilation of scriptures that God in his kindness has just put in our hands. I mean, wow, we don't have to guess about what he's like. He has given us his word, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for correction, for training and righteousness. All scripture is breathed out. It says in the next verse that every man and woman of God would be made competent or complete, equipped for every good work. We've been given the scriptures it's the primary way that we step into beginning to know what God is like. And this is critical for us because we want to be true worshipers of the one true God, right? Does anybody in here want to be a false worshiper? Like, yeah, no, that sounds weird. But do you know that the Bible actually says that there's such a thing as true worshipers and false worshipers? In John chapter 4, it says this, verse 23, the hour is coming and now is here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Wow. So if the Bible talks about true worshipers, then that means that false worshipers exist. I don't want to be that. I have no desire. And so the key to true worship, what did it say in the scripture? Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. I'm not a cheerleader, but I feel like one right now. But it is... Both, right? We are people of spirit and truth. This is the Bible's definition of true worship. It's not one or the other. It's 100% of both. And so we've got to be rooted. Look, I love the Holy Spirit, and I want us to be a, a fun, crazy people that know the Holy Spirit, and he's moving in our lives. But we got to be rooted in the word if we're going to discern the spirit. We have got to have both. They go hand in hand. And so we are inviting the entire church into being a people of his word over the next 21 days. Check this out. You are formally invited, okay? Tomorrow is April 1st. There are 21 days until Easter Sunday, which is April 21st. The Gospel of John has 21 chapters. So as an entire church family, if you're in to seek the Lord... You are invited starting tomorrow, you can get a head start today if you want, to read one chapter from the book of John every day until Easter Sunday. Church, can you envision what would happen in this family if we all raised a hand right now and said, I'm in? So if you're in, just say, I'm in. Just make a simple commitment. Let's go. 21 chapters. Let's get the word of God in us. Guys, why is it so important to read the Bible every day? Why? To know his heart. Man, come on. To hear his heart, to hear from God, to know him. Here's why it's so important in a meaningful connection, a connected relationship is because it simply takes time to get 
to know somebody, right? It takes time. There's no relationship, no close relationship you have that did not take several series of interactions or continued times of communion to get to know him. That's why we read the Bible every day. It's not one and done. It's a constant journey because we come through his word. We come to get to know his character, his desires, his thoughts, and his personality. And I want to unpack this a little bit because God is a beautifully rich person, being. We've been made in his image. We, you are all complex people of desires and thoughts. Why would God be any different? Getting to know you would take a long time. Some of you have been married like 35 years. You're like, I still don't feel like I know this person sitting next to me, you know? Relationship takes time. It goes deep. And the same is true with God. So his character, through the word, we get to know his character. These are what you maybe have heard, the attributes of God. You guys know this story where Moses asked God, he says, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Have you heard the word glory? And you're like, yeah, glory. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> you're like, I, it's a cool church word. So basically what it just means is he's saying, God, show me who you are. His glory is just is who he is. And then God's response is amazing. He says, okay, I'll show you my glory. You can't handle all of it, so I'm gonna hide you over here in the cleft of this rock and just give you a glimpse. But, but I'm gonna show you my glory. I'm gonna cause all my goodness, there's hint number one, I'm gonna cause all my goodness to pass before you and I'm gonna declare my name to you. His glory is his goodness and his name, it's his character. And he passes before Moses in Exodus 34, six and seven, and he says, Somebody's got it memorized. There we go. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Some of you are like, man, I wish you would have stopped after that first half, you know? But here's the deal. Why don't we step into the, him keeping his steadfast love to thousands instead of being afraid, right? Let's just get off of the curse wagon, okay, and get into the, all the generational blessing that it comes when we seek the Lord. This is who he is. It's his character. The more we get to know his character, his glory, the more we get to know his desires, right? His desires are just what pleases him. You know, there are things that make God happy and things that don't. The more we get to learn his character, the more we learn his desires. The more we understand his desires, the more we understand his thoughts. Because in Isaiah 55, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. So we don't start off life thinking a bunch of God thoughts. We start off like thinking a bunch of weird and if I'm honest, wicked and really broken thoughts, and it takes a long time for me to renew my mind and learn how to think the way that he thinks. And I primarily do that by understanding his character and his word and his desires, and then I'm able to identify that thought is from God. That one is not. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And ultimately, we learn his character, we learn the desires of his heart, we learn his thoughts, and we come into learning his personality. You know that God has a personality? Do you know that when Jesus walked the earth, they said that he was the image of the invisible God. He was the exact 
representation of God's nature. So you want to know what God's personality is like, you just look at Jesus. So when we look at Jesus, we see a breathtaking personality of God. We see what made him laugh and celebrate. We see what, how he spoke to his friends and a lot of times spoke to his friends with a lot of truth and love. We see the way that he talks to God and interacted with his father. We see the way that Jesus fought temptation. We also see what makes him angry. We also see what made him flip tables. I mean, guys, God flipped tables and chased people out of religious, Pharisee, wicked religious people out of the temple with a whip that he took the time to make by himself. What? Some of us need to rescue the personality of Jesus from the Gospels and realize that he revealed something about God's nature. We need to pull him out of the clouds and out of all this mystic glory land and look at Jesus for the next 21 days in the Gospel of John and realize that God has a personality. And that the, the sooner we can learn what he was like, the sooner we can learn to become like him. And as we get to know him, we learn what blesses him. As we get to know his character, his desires, his thoughts, his personality, in this friendship, this relationship, we learn how to bless him. I brought some of these up here today. So this is a collection of, um, you guys see this? Some artwork that my kids have brought me. This is just like the last uh, 46 minutes, okay, of, (laughs) of what, if my parents, you know what I'm talking about. You've got just drawers, you know, full of this stuff, okay? You see this stuff? Okay, this precious artwork that my kids bring me, okay? They create this stuff. And if you're a parent, you know, nothing blesses the heart of a parent than when your kid makes something and brings it to you. Do you know that the the word for bless in the scripture actually means to bring a gift? To bring an offering, to bring a gift. Here's the deal. I never sat down with my boys and was like, okay, you know what daddy loves? I love it when you just get some crayons and scribble some illegible things on paper that make no sense at all and bring it to me. I love that stuff. Oh, and put some like, um, some like uh, popsicle sticks in totally random order and maybe some spring, like just whatever you want to make. Just, I love that, please. I never told them to do that. My wife never told them to do that. What does this reveal about us as people? There's, say it, we love connection, and we, there's something hardwired in us to create for daddy and bring it to him. There's something hardwired in us that just wants to bless God. And I think we need to unlock this thing again, right? And say, it's time for us to have some freedom and, and, and bringing God some gifts and bringing God our praise. This is what it means to... Bless his heart. And in the scripture, there's, there's two things that I, I think we really see that be- become these gifts to daddy. There are two primary ways that we bless him. And it's, it's through our obedience and it's through our worship and our praise. And we talk a lot about obedience over here. So here's my five-second sermon on obedience, okay? Obey God. <laughs> Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 
Okay, really, the choices are obey God and be led by him into a life of blessing or disobey God and wonder why life is so hard all the time. Okay, obey God. It's one of the primary ways that we show our affection for him is we, we do what he says. But I want us to camp on this second piece, which is worship and praise. And there's something about praise that becomes this offering unto the Lord. And so it's critical. If we're going to be a people of pursuit, a people that seek God, we've got to become a people of praise. We've got to learn what praise is, and we've got to learn how to worship because something powerful happens. You guys know that we were created by God breathing breath into our lungs, right? Something happens when we turn that around and we release that breath back to him and worship. I can't explain it other than the Bible tells us it's one of the primary ways that we connect with God is when the breath that he's put in our lungs makes its way back out in adoration, makes its way back out in thankfulness, makes its way back out in declaration. The scriptures are clear. Come into his presence with singing. Enter his gates with thanks and praise. So if we want to be a people of meaningful connection with God that seek his face and his presence continually, we've got to learn how to praise. We've got to. And I understand some of you are saying, hey, you know, worship's just not really my thing. Singing, God didn't give me that good of a voice, you know? Be honest, if you felt that before, you're like, worship's just not my deal, man. I appreciate these guys up here doing their music thing. That's just not me. Church, I submit to you, if you want to live a life of meaningful connection with your creator, we need to learn how to make praise our thing. We need to learn how to make worship our thing. Because something happens in scripture. He says, we come into his presence with singing. We come into his courts with thanks and praise. God says, when you seek me, I will be found by you. I have spent the last 18 years of my life since I got saved in college seeking the Lord through his word, through listening, through fellowship with other people. But nothing, nothing leads me into a more consistent encounter with his presence, I'm going to explain that in a second, nothing leads me into a more consistent encounter with his presence than when I open my mouth and praise him. And you might see me up here in the front row dancing around or whatever, lifting my hands like a crazy person and thinking that I've always just been the worship guy or something. That was not me even six years ago, five years ago. I came into this community, and I had spent 10 years in a Bible church getting a lot of great revelation about who God is, but I had never quite learned how to turn that revelation into adoration. And five or six years ago, after hanging around all you crazy Jesus-loving worship people, I learned how to unlock this thing in me and begin to give it back. And so now I raise my hands every time I worship God, and it's not always because I'm, in, uh, I'm encountering him. A lot of times it's because I want to encounter him. A lot of times I step into the place of worship and adoration before I'm feeling anything, and he meets me there because that's how faith works. And so, guys, we got to become a people of praise, and I want to just 
demystify this for a second before we finish up here. Guys, we praise everything. We pray, literally, you guys are already amazing worshipers. You guys already praise all day long, okay? Think about it. Husbands, you praise your wives or else you should be, right? You come home from work. Wow, this house looks amazing, babe. Dinner smells incredible. How did you raise four kids all day long and still look that good at the end of the day? You know, you husbands, if you're not praising your wife, you need to learn that language, okay? We praise our wives. Guys, businessmen, uh, guys that run companies, you, play, you praise your employees. Hey, guys, great quarter. Way to go on that project. Awesome job on that graphic, Emily, that you created. Like, you praise your employees, okay? Some of you guys have dogs, okay? You praise your dog for bringing you a bone back. You're like, you're such a good boy. You're my best friend. You know, it's like, I'm not kidding, guys. This is praise. You praise your coffee in the morning. Oh, so good. So good. Oh, thank you. Amazing. Guys, are you with me? This past week, the weather was amazing. How many of you walked out one day and, and just were like, oh, thank you, God. Man, you know, it's amazing. Okay, here's the deal. We praise. We just do. But then it comes to worshiping God, and we, like, lock up. Like, we don't know what we're doing. Like, No. Just take the language that you've been using all week to talk about your dog or your coffee or what weather or whatever else and just give it to the one who's actually better than all that stuff and see what happens. Some of you are saying, I have not encountered God and felt his presence in a long time. I would say, are you opening your mouth in praise? Are you raising your hands when you don't feel like it? When the worship leader says, all right, let's shout it out. Are you going to say, that's the leader of the room right now, and he just told me to shout it out. I don't feel like shouting right now, but I'm going to follow my leader. Woo! Or you just stand there and say, I'm not encountering God. I don't know why. Maybe it's because you're not following the leader, okay, or following the Bible, which says, open your mouth, be a person of praise. And I know we're all different, and I'm admittedly one of the biggest extroverts on the planet, okay? So I just, I'm loud and boisterous, and when I spend time with God, I'm like, I, it's hard for me to be quiet. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you are introverts. My wife, by nature, she's an introvert. When I spend time with God, I'm jumping around. I'm, I'm like, let's go. I need to sing something. I need to pray. I need to do something. And she's just sitting on the couch like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> And I'm like, to each their own, okay? <laughs> so, but look, all I'm saying is, it's okay that we're wired differently, okay? My friendship with Kaylin is different than my friendship with Jonathan, okay? Because we're wired, diff different personalities mingle differently. That's cool. All I'm saying, though, is sometimes, the introverts, you need to get up and praise, okay? <laughs> and sometimes, the extroverts need to sit down, shut up. <laughs> listen. I just, just need to listen. Are you with me? So, all right. Thank you so much. Love you. So guys, we're called to be a people of praise, and the band is going to go ahead and uh, come up here. We're going to respond here in a minute. I, I do want to touch on this second component. Obviously, I'm not going in depth, but the two components, right, of connection is we get to know God and find out what blesses him. That, we spent the majority of our time there today. The other component, though, is 
being known by God and allowing him to know us and then learning to receive from him. It's not just a we're giving, we're seeking, we're pursuing. You know, it's a two-way street. We're called to seek him. We're called to go hard after him. But guys, he's pursued us before we ever took off after him. The other part of this thing is learning how to share our heart with him. Psalm 62, verse 8, I love this verse. It talks about pouring out your heart before the Lord. Pouring out your heart. And if you've ever read through the Psalms, you know that King David was not afraid to pour out his heart before God, right? On his best days, on his worst days, he, he poured it out. And so we need to learn how to be known by God. And some of you are bottled up. And there's something in your heart you just need to, you just need to dump it before the Lord. But see, just like you wouldn't go to your best friend, or I hope you wouldn't, and just, some of us actually do this. We just kind of dump, we just kind of vent on our friend, and then we, we don't actually sit around to listen what they have to say. And it's dishonoring, actually. It's like saying, I need you enough for you to listen to my problems so I don't feel alone, but I don't value you enough to listen to what you have to say. And so we need to pour out our heart before God but we also need to stop and listen to what he has to say in response. That's part of friendship. That's part of relationship. And so this morning, as we respond, uh, I just wanna invite you to stand as a sign of, I am gonna stand up into this season of seeking the Lord. I'm gonna stand up. If, you, if you're not there, that's okay. But I want us to stand as a corporate response of, Chris, I'm hearing what the Word of God is saying today, that it's time to seek the Lord. And as we respond this morning, you have freedom to respond. We're not gonna have the prayer team up here today. Everybody's already repented, okay? So we're, we're gonna respond in the way that you need to respond, okay? So just by way of kind of review, some of us need to respond today by opening the Bible to John and just getting started in the Word of God. Maybe that's your response. So if you need to sit back down and you just want to get in the Word, please get in the Word. Dive in. Some of us need to respond today by blessing the Lord. And they're going to lead us in a song of praise up here to just kind of apply some of what we've been talking about today, about praising God and telling Him how much we appreciate Him and how good He is. Some of you need to get in a corner or come up to the front. The space will be up available at the front, and you just need to pour out your heart before God. You just need to dump something at his feet and then you need to sit and listen to what he has to say. If that's you, the front is open, come pour out your heart. And then some of us might just need to sit down and listen. You have freedom to connect with God in a meaningful way for what you're needing right now in this season of your life. Amen? You guys ready to seek the Lord together? Yeah. All right, Jesus, we say yes to your invitation to search after you like hidden treasure, to seek you, God, and you will be found by us because the way has been opened in the blood of Jesus. We just say, thank you, God, that you say that you'll be found by us. Would we find you in these days more than ever before? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.